Let me invite you to open your Bible to Matthew 12. We are thrilled that you are with us today. And we know that if you are with us, you have already been benefited by participating in the songs that we've sang, in the prayers that we've prayed, in the thoughts that have been offered. And I simply hope that we can add to that in what we look at today from Matthew 12. As we read this passage in Matthew 12, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the Sabbath. There's going to be a lot of emphasis on what's lawful and what's not lawful. And there's going to be emphasis on the Pharisees as they will be opposing Jesus for his thoughts about the Sabbath. So pay attention to these ideas and other things that should stand out. Do not feel badly if you cannot do this. But I invite you as we read our text to stand as we read. If you want to know my scriptural authority for that... Read Nehemiah 8. Okay. Matthew 12. As these two incidents on the Sabbath are mentioned back to back in all the synoptics. Let us read. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to, pack, began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw that they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry? He and his companions, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priest alone. And have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you, that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Departing from there, he went into their synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. And they said, and he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was restored to normal 
like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy them. Destroy him. Excuse me. You may be seated. Again, did you see how frequently the Sabbath is under discussion? Just right there. It's mentioned seven times in those verses. Seven times in that short section. For the issue is here, and this is the only time that Matthew directly presents Jesus in a Sabbath controversy with the Pharisees. There's one passage later in the Gospel that kind of alludes to it but doesn't call it the Sabbath that we have to mention later in the lesson. But this is the only passage where we see this in Matthew. But this is common in the Gospels. Perhaps there was nothing that drove the wedge between Jesus and the Pharisees as to how they viewed the Sabbath. Though we would view the Pharisees as hypocrites, that would not be how they would have been viewed in that day and time. And as we look at this account, what is the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees here about? And what is it that the Pharisees are doing that is wrong? As we look at the passage, first of all, you notice that the Bible tells us that Jesus and his disciples were going through a grain field. His disciples are plucking heads of grain and rubbing them with their hand. By the fact they're doing that, and there is grain in these grain fields, I suppose that it is the springtime of the year. When the barley ripened, and after that the wheat ripened. Sometime in that time frame. But his disciples are going along, and they are picking ears of grain and rubbing them in their hand. For those of you who were studying Deuteronomy recently, you know that is not regarded as stealing. It's not regarded as stealing because if you were going through a grain field and you were hungry, you could pick something and you could eat it. But you weren't to harvest his crop. That would have been stealing. But the disciples are not accused of stealing here. They have the right to do this. But they are accused of working on the Sabbath. You're doing this on the Sabbath day as they took the grain, as they rubbed it in their hands. And Jesus, as their teacher, was responsible for the behavior of his disciples. And so the Pharisees said to him, look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus makes several arguments in Matthew's gospel, if you compare each of these accounts, some of these are unique to Matthew. But each of these gospels have Jesus saying, have you not read? Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? In verse 3, 
David was hungry. In verse 1, the disciples were hungry. So there is some kind of connection between their experiences and David's experience. But he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for him to eat. That bread was said to be eaten by the priest in Leviticus 24, verses 5 through 9. Jesus said here it was not lawful for him to eat. Or for those who were with him. They weren't part of these priests. But the Pharisees did not criticize David for that. We don't know exactly on what ground they justified it. Maybe on the basis of the fact that David was to be king. He was anointed king at this moment. And would later be king in reality. But he refers to this event from 1 Samuel 21. And he says, do you not know the priests on the Sabbath break the Sabbath and are guiltless? Now, if we put quotation marks like they did today, that phrase, break the Sabbath, would be a quotation mark. The Pharisees weren't, excuse me, the priests weren't breaking the Sabbath. When they offered incense on the Sabbath in Exodus 30, verses 7 through 9. They weren't breaking the Sabbath. When they offered the burnt offerings that were specially designated by that, for that day. Numbers 28, verses 9 and 10. The priests weren't breaking the Sabbath. When they were changing the showbread. That is in quotation marks. But there are some duties that must be performed even on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees recognize that. And Jesus makes that point in John 7, beginning around verse 22 through 24, where he emphasizes that if the eighth day of a child's life, a male child's life, falls on the Sabbath, and a male child is to be circumcised on the eighth day, you circumcise him on the eighth day. Priests are doing the same kind of thing. But he said, I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. And I do not think we can appreciate how revolutionary that is. For look at how they viewed the temple. Look at how they viewed it. Remember when Jeremiah preached in Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 26 that God will make this temple like the house of God in Shiloh. The people wanted to kill him. How dare you say this? And Jesus is constantly opposed by these people because of what he says about the temple. Look at Matthew 26. In Matthew 26, the closest thing when they get to a charge against Jesus, a charge that they can prove against him in his Jewish trial, is what he said about the temple. In verse 61, this man stated, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Now Mark tells
tells us here that not even here was their testimony consistent. They bring this up in his trial. But look over at Matthew 27 and verse 40. Matthew 27 verse 40. And saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. They brought it up in his trial. They brought it up when he was on the cross. They brought up what he said about the temple. This was a stickling point between them. And Jesus is saying, you do not condemn David. You do not condemn the priests in their activities. And yet, something greater than the temple is here. And that statement should shock us. Because the temple represented the presence of God dwelling with his people. What could be greater than that? Except God himself. And he said, if you had known what this means, he refers to Hosea 6, 6. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. Now, notice Jesus is not make, Jesus is making a pronouncement here about the disciples that they are innocent in verse 7, just like in verse 5, the priests are innocent. The priests are innocent and Jesus' disciples are innocent. He's not saying this situation of need justifies them breaking the law. He is saying they're innocent of wrongdoing. And all of this hinges on who he is. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He has authority over the Sabbath day. Something greater than the temple is here. And he doesn't say it in his words. But he's saying something greater than the Sabbath is here. Departing from there, he goes into their synagogue. And there is a man with a withered hand. There's a man with a withered hand. And only in Matthew's gospel does it picture the Pharisees as initiating the question. In verse 10, they question him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But notice here too a purpose is stated. The purpose is so they might accuse him. And Jesus appeals to their practice in verses 11 and 12. If you have a sheep and it falls into a pit, you're going to take hold of it and lift it out on the Sabbath. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep. The value of each human life is stressed by Jesus. How much more valuable is a man than a sheep 
So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Their question is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus states it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. The purpose of the Sabbath regulations was never to limit doing good. That wasn't the purpose. Should the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan have only ignored the man beaten along the road if it was on a Sabbath day? It was never the purpose of the Sabbath. But I love the way that this is asked in Mark and Luke. In Mark 3 verse 4, he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. There's not a lot of work involved in that. Just say to someone, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand and he was restored. His hand was restored. And the Bible tells us the Pharisees went out and determined to destroy him. Now it's very important for us to see what they got wrong so that we don't get the same thing wrong. But it's very important how we interpret that. What's wrong with the Pharisees here? What's wrong with their approach? And we might say this in a way that doesn't give light to the subject. Let me state a couple of things that's not wrong with what they say. Jesus doesn't say, you just need to lighten up about the Sabbath. Sabbath's not that big of a deal. God took the Sabbath extremely seriously. It was one of the Ten Commandments, as you know. It was the sign between God and Israel. That's the point of Exodus 31, verses 12 through 17. And God said, even during the busiest times of year, even during plowing and harvest, you are to remember the Sabbath in Exodus 34, verse 21. So even during the busiest times of the year, keep the Sabbath. And in that section that begins the Israelites building the tabernacle in Exodus 35, verses 1 through 3, if they violated the Sabbath, the penalty was death. And we see that penalty enforced in Numbers 15. Now, let me ask you a question. And don't answer this without taking into account the Old Testament. Was the history of God's people a history of obedience or disobedience to that Sabbath command? Now, sometimes we look at this and we say, well, obviously,
obviously it was obedience because the Sabbath was very important to them. The Sabbath was very important to them because their history had been one of disobedience to the Sabbath. And in those passages, Jeremiah 17, 19 through 27, and Nehemiah 13, 15 through 22, which will repay a careful reading of those passages. What those passages emphasize is that the people had ended up in Babylonian captivity because of the Sabbath day, because of their failure to keep the Sabbath. Their history was largely one of disobedience to the Sabbath, largely one of disobedience. And because they had made that mistake in the past, they are saying, we don't want to make that mistake again. Have you ever in your life seen a mistake that you've made, evaluated the situation, made a mistake, and then go and make a mistake in another direction. Now, obviously, the kind of illustration I'm about to be used, about to use is without command. But I have known friends who have dated someone five or six years And finally, the girl gives up on them and thinks they're never going to be asked to get married. And so listen. And guys have seen that and said, I made a mistake. And then within meeting a girl after two months, they ask her to get married. Young people, and this doesn't turn out well. And in most of these cases, I'm thinking of where I've seen that. It didn't turn out well. We know that kind of situation, though. We avoid a mistake in one direction only to run to a mistake in the other. But because of their history of disobedience, And the fact that this history resulted in disaster led some of the Jewish people to take the Sabbath day so seriously that in 1 Maccabees chapter 2, in around verse 29, some of them in the Maccabean revolt were attacked on the Sabbath. They refused not only to defend themselves, they refused to hide, they refused to do anything that would be considered as work and die for their faith. Now after that, the leader said, we will not make an aggressive attack on the Sabbath, but if we are attacked on the Sabbath, we will defend ourselves. But some of them took the Sabbath very seriously. But you can make an argument here. That Jesus is not rebuking them because they do not take the Sabbath seriously enough. He is not rebuking them because they take the Sabbath too seriously. He is rebuking them because they don't take it seriously enough. 
and haven't thought through it enough. And it's the same way he's not telling them they're being too picky with Scripture. A matter of fact, it's kind of the other way around. He's saying you're not paying careful attention to Scripture. He introduces his argument in verse 3 by have you not read and then in verse 5 have you not read in verse 7 if you had known what this means you haven't reflected you haven't reflected carefully enough on what scripture says and on its significance problem wasn't they were taking scriptures too seriously the problem with so many things in the, in the career of Jesus is controversy with them they weren't taking them Seriously? And all of these are instances where Jesus is in discussion with his opponents and he introduces his argument by have you never read? Well, if that's not their problem, what is wrong with One of the problems is they were never looking for truth to begin with. They were not looking for truth. They were only looking to accuse. Their question in verse 10 that they asked Jesus is a good question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That is a good question. But they're not looking for truth. They're looking to accuse. They're looking simply to make a charge against him. Even their question and the way that they have set this up by looking at this man with the withered hand, they know he can heal. They know he can heal. They ask this question, not looking for truth, but they ask this question, seeking to accuse. By the way, this word accuse, which is used in each of these accounts, Matthew 12, Mark 3, and in Luke 6, it is only used six other times in the Gospels, and every time it refers to the trial of Jesus. The same kind of spirit that led them to crucify him is active and alive right here. I can remember a former teacher. in college giving me this warning when I started teaching. He said, there are people that are asking questions, even those difficult questions, because they want to know the answer. But there are people asking sometimes the most simple questions simply to try. And gave me an illustration for the obviously they've already decided 
They're opposed to Jesus. They've already decided they've opposed to him. And they've already decided that he's guilty. They're just looking for grounds. And this point is also closely tied to the second point. They are rejecting Jesus in spite of how clear the evidence is that he is who he is. Now, the Bible says, they ask, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus tells the man, stretch out your hand. He stretches out his hand and his withered hand is restored. Let me give you an Old Testament story that you're familiar with. You remember Jeroboam was. Jeroboam was the first king of Israel. Jeroboam was king of Israel when Rehoboam was king of Judah. And you remember how Jeroboam set up the golden calves at Dan and Bethel and said, These are your gods, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. You remember that. But it was opening day at Jeroboam's new altar in Bethel. And there was a man of God from Judah who came and spoke against that altar. And he said, Oh, altar, altar, the day will come that there will be a king of Judah named Josiah who will burn on this altar the bones of the priests who serve here. And as a sign that this is true, this altar will be split and all its ashes were poured out. At the time he says that, The word comes true. The altar was split. The ashes were poured out. And Jeroboam, the king of Israel, the wicked king of Israel, says, arrest him and reaches forth his hand. But when he says that, he can't draw his hand back. He says to the man of God, pray for me. He prays for him. His hand is restored. There's some same vocabulary there that is here, by the way. But Jeroboam, who said arrest now can see from the fact that what the man of God spoke came true and the altar split open and its ashes poured out and the fact that his hand was restored, the man of God, Jeroboam can see this is a man of God and he invites him home with him. And he says, I want you to come to my house and eat. And the man says, I cannot eat bread or drink water. I wouldn't have to break off on that powerful account. But this is my point. Even the wicked Jeroboam, even Jeroboam as willfully blind as he is, could see this man before him was a man of God when he prayed and his hand was restored. You mean to tell me These men, 
don't have enough evidence that Jesus is from God. Jesus has done signs that would have caused Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre and Sidon to repent. They've seen enough. They are hypocrites because they are determined that in spite of the evidence, we're not going to believe and we're going to reject him. But perhaps nothing shows their hypocrisy anymore than this final point. They didn't care about the Sabbath. How can I say that? Notice in verse 14, the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. Mark makes it even clearer. Mark 3 verse 6 says the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Couldn't they have waited till the day after the Sabbath to do that? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That's the question they're asking. Jesus asked them a question. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill it? Jesus better not heal on the Sabbath. But they can plot his destruction on the Sabbath. Now understand, these are religious people. And we can do the same thing. Now I told you Jesus' controversies with the Pharisees and the religious leaders is only mentioned here in Matthew. But there's another allusion to the Sabbath. Though it's not called the Sabbath. In Matthew 27, look at Matthew 27. Matthew 27, this is after Jesus has been placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. In verse 62 of Matthew 27, on the next day, the day after the preparation. The preparation is the preparation for the Sabbath. So what is going to be the next day, the day after the preparation? The next day is going to be the Sabbath. On the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while he was alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. Give orders to make the tomb secure. But look here how these enemies of Jesus aren't keeping the Sabbath. They aren't keeping it. The Bible tells us in Luke 23, 56, the disciples of Jesus rested on the Sabbath. That's why they don't finish their burial preparations. They keep the Sabbath. Their enemies are plotting on the Sabbath. And so there's I people tell me that they don't believe and they don't live. And they're acting as if they're taking the same for life. 
can fall in the same kind of error that they did. The evidence that he is from God is overwhelming. It is compelling. He is the Lord of the Sabbath and he showed it by healing on the Sabbath. We believe what we do because we believe him who said it. The Pharisees first rejected the man. Then they looked for reasons to reject his message. To do that makes us hypocrites. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God, you are so holy. And we're overwhelmed at how you reveal yourself to us in your Son. That you give evidence that is clear and compelling to all who are willing to see. We pray, Lord, that we come to you and your word looking for truth, humbling ourselves before it, and surrendering to your will. Help us, O God, to be your people and to have you as our God. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to truly make God your vision, if you want to focus your life on Him and you want that passion to drive your life, take the first steps to Him today, believing that Jesus died and rose again, repenting of your sins and be baptized for remission of sins. We invite you to come as we stand and sing.